everyone. Welcome back to Alex's Daily Grind, where I talk about whatever the hell I want. Welcome to my head. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about five topics. Yeah, five topics sounds like a lot, but I'll try to do it quick. Uh, Topic number one will be, we are all in the entertainment industry. Topic number two, uh, are you freaking out because someone else might have your idea? Topic number three, no choruses. Yeah, you'll have to wait till I talk about this to find out what it really is. Number four, the inspiration is for amateurs. And number five, don't be a dick. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty controversial uh, episode today, <laughs> I guess. But uh, nevertheless, it's pretty cool. I'm really excited to get back to uh, podcasting. I've been quite busy the last five days working on uh, preparations for our new startup. Just a lot of stuff that needs to be taken care of before we work on the pitch deck. And you can find step-by-step, basically I'm trying to document everything that's happening right now. You can find those videos in my Instagram and uh, I think LinkedIn as well, but just check check my Instagram. You'll uh, if you're if you're a startup or if you're a person that has an idea and you're thinking about someday starting a company based on that idea or inspired by that idea or just ever creating a digital product, then go ahead and check out my Instagram. Uh, you know that that's what I do for a living. I run a couple of technical companies. One of the tech companies is an engineering company that does work for someone else and the rest of the products are our own. <clears throat> so there, I just decided to to use the opportunity of me using Instagram actively to document what it actually takes to take an idea and raise a unicorn. That's how I named my uh, series now that I'm documenting this startup starting from zero to, well, hopefully something really really big so raising a unicorn is my new series on instagram go ahead and check them if uh, check them out if uh, if you're in the startup world or thinking about converting your idea one day into something bigger and here is the general observation like here's the thing with a lot of startups these days and just companies uh, as a whole the problem is People know how to create a product that solves a problem, like a real problem, okay? They know how to create a, you know, how to build a door so that, you know, you would install that door in the house and you could enter and exit through that door and you will have, you know, no wind coming in and rain will not get inside and, uh, you know, thieves cannot uh, get into the house. So they know how to build that door, how to make it, and how to install it. The problem with most companies is that they know that part, but they're completely missing out on, this, on, on, on the second part of that selling. And a lot of startups basically, you know, they have great inventors and idea people, but they have absolutely no idea how to sell that stuff now. And I'm not talking about like, hardcore salesmen, right? People who just go door to door or do cold calling or do emailing and just, you know, keep pushing and stay on you until you say yes. No, not that kind of, not that type of selling. And also 
uh, like budget wise, it doesn't really matter today. Like just take a look at watch, right? Not not the wristwatch, but the 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 new the newest product by Facebook watch. Uh, it's that little annoying icon on the bottom. I think it's third from the left or something. Basically, it has this play button in the TV or something that is supposed to tell you that there's a video going on there. And they spent a billion dollars, right, one billion dollars to uh, acquire some original content. Uh, the idea was to basically create a competitor to Facebook, uh, to, uh, to YouTube. So Facebook wanted to enter this uh, video space. The attempt failed miserably because, and actually, I'm really surprised that it happened this way because Facebook is supposed to have like the best of the best. Like, isn't it, it wasn't it clear from the start that that would be the biggest obstacle that people are not using Facebook to watch long videos. They go to YouTube for that kind of content. It's pretty, I mean, it's, it's negatively impressive that they actually did this and they spent so much money not really accounting for this one huge obstacle. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, they've spent that, that much money, nothing's going on with that watch thing. And now they have to publicly admit that now they're not even a platform for young generation anymore. It's like 30 plus, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that they're catering to. Thank God they acquired Instagram uh, a couple years ago. And thank God they have WhatsApp as well. So those platforms are growing like crazy. And uh, that's how they can capture those generations that are growing up and, uh, you know, the younger generation is as well. But to really oversimplify what happened, right? The Facebook failed to sell its product. Facebook failed to sell the watch. And uh, it's amazing because the watch thing happened inside Facebook platform, which already retains all those users. So, <clears throat> I mean, it was logical to assume that all those people who are using Facebook on a daily basis would just equally tap on that new icon, uh, you know, just like they're tapping on feed or notifications. Turns out, you know, it's not true. And they actually just showed us that, I mean, today's users are way more savvy than they thought, way more picky than they thought, and need to be taken care of totally differently. Here's how. What they didn't understand, like what most startups really can't comprehend for whatever reason, I don't know, that whatever industry you're in, whatever product you have, whatever target audience you think you're catering to, in fact, you are in an entertainment industry. Even if you're selling... I don't know, uh, raw sheets of metal, or if you're selling rockets, if you're selling tires, if you're selling online courses, if you're uh, selling insurance, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a body shop, uh, I mean, like car body shop, if you want presence online today, if you want to digitize your experience, if you want to digitize your presence, if you want to start getting traction and get users on board, you need to 
embrace the fact that you need to be entertaining. Just the fact of life. People are no longer willing to spend time on boring content. And the key word here is content. This is something crucial now. People are not willing to spend time reading your descriptions, press releases, your lengthy descriptions of how you do stuff, your process descriptions, your infographics, your, you know, all that stuff that you think is really, really important. None of that stuff matters anymore. What matters is how entertaining your content is. And your content needs to be first regular, second entertaining. That's it. Pretty simple, right? Well, it turns out it's not that simple. I mean, being consistent is, you know, it's a pretty hard thing on its own, but then actually being creative and posting creative, engaging, entertaining content is a totally different thing. And I mean, it's a great opportunity for businesses that actually embrace this idea and are, you know, jumping in joy and willing to start doing this finally because, you know, they're creative and they just, you know, wanted to this wanted this to happen and wanted to have this platform for many years. But it's somewhat frightening and uh, sad for businesses that are in the past, but still add value. And they actually want to embrace this too, but they don't know how to. They have never done anything like that. They have never shot a single selfie video explaining their product. What do they, I mean, what do those guys do? Well, you do the obvious, you'll learn. And I mean, it's just the, you know, the price you pay today, okay? It's just the fact of life. You have to, you know, you have to accept it. If, you, if you're not accepting it, you're basically condemning your business uh, to, you know, years of decline. And I'm mostly talking about small business and medium, you know, mid-sized businesses. But bigger brands see that too. And uh, I mean, they've embraced this concept years ago. And that's why, you know, a lot of the most fun to watch and engaging content we're, you know, seeing from from brands like Under Armour, you know, and, and uh, you know, and others and Apple and just pretty much any Nike, like any brand, they've always wanted to, you know, they've always strived to be entertaining because they, you know, they figured it out. And uh, you need to do that too. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry that I had to spit it out like that. But you have to learn to be entertaining. You have to learn to how to produce uh, engaging content because we're all in the entertaining and en entertainment industry today. And if you manage to figure it out, I'll like if you manage to figure out how to sell those doors uh, in an entertaining way, like, you know, um, like the guy, um, hold on, what is his name? I think it was. Marcus Sheridan, right? I read his, uh, I, I read his book. Um, I think it's called Heart of a Lion or something. Uh, I mean, anyway, you, you can look him up. Uh, I think his company is called Riverside Pools or something like that. He's a guy who basically figured out blogging uh, and he was selling and installing pools, just private pools. Uh, like if you need a pool in your backyard, that's, you know, he's the guy. But he, while he was very good at doing that, he wasn't really good at selling uh, or outselling any of his competitors. So he figured out that blogging about pools 
was actually a pretty, pretty interesting thing. Like nobody was there. Nobody was blogging about this type of, this type of, you know, vertical and he could dominate it. And eventually when people were searching on Google, like pool installation company or, you know, uh, questions about pool installation or whatever, his blog was just coming up all the time because uh, he managed to write all those articles having just the right headlines, having just the right tags in those headlines. Uh, and and Google was indexing those uh, those articles, obviously. So people, you know, landed on his landing page in the end of the day and, and, and they saw all those articles and they figured out that, oh, this guy's a pro, he's an expert. And his business just started booming like crazy. And then eventually he became a speaker, obviously, just started to tour the world, talk about, you know, blogging and stuff. Basically, what's happening right now is just the, uh, it's not even a reincarnation of that. It's just basically a logical consequence of all the technology that, we, you know, that we've been having uh, in our hand, uh, in our hands for, you know, for the past five years. Uh, not a lot of people want to read blogs anymore. But if you're a modern day Marcus Sheridan, and I'm, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm saying his first and last name incorrectly. That's how I, re that's how I remember. Uh, but if you were the modern pool installation person, you would find a way to talk about pool installation in funny, engaging way through videos uh, and photos on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And that's how you're going to capture the, well, you know, the attention of a regular person who uses social media to get entertained and to get information and to search for stuff today. Uh, if you're not doing that, if you still rely on traditional methods like magazines and TV and radio, then you're obviously trying to advertise uh, to people in the past. And that's not a very efficient way. Anyway, uh, the second thing is, I just, uh, with this newest startup that, uh, that I mentioned, uh, it was a funny situation when uh, I, I reached out to a friend of mine in Los Angeles and said, hey, why don't we do something together? Because it was so obvious that, you know, it was so due that we do something together. And he says, you know what? It's really interesting. It's such a coincidence that you actually reached out to me because I was just having this idea, just was thinking about this idea. And a couple months ago, uh, a couple months ago, I was almost dialing uh, one of the Snaps co-founders, uh, Snaps as in Snapchat. Uh, he knows one of the co-founders of Snap. And uh, because he knows that guy well enough, he wanted to reach out to him and, you know, ask for advice, like ask how he needs to proceed and if that guy would be willing to participate. He didn't do that because he was afraid that that Snap's co-founder would steal the idea or, you know, just get so excited that he would just go and do it on his own. He wouldn't need my, you know, my friend's input at all. And my friend is not a tech person at all. He just had this idea and he has amazing connections. So this is one of the funniest, you know, funniest parts about startup world. Uh, I've, I've I really... I've really heard this so many times that uh, it's time to talk about this. Like if you are freaking out about someone else having your idea, you're freaking right. 
someone else has your idea, or if you tell somebody else about your idea, uh, what are the chances that that person will go and, and execute your idea? Uh, based on the data that I managed to find, almost zero. Why? Well, because you will need to hit that person with your pitch or your idea in the perfect time of their life, right? When they're not doing anything else, when they have available cash or an investor, you know, just in the pipeline waiting for a whistle, like, oh yeah, let's invest in this thing. It's pretty cool. Uh, that person needs to have uh, appropriate knowledge. That person needs to have product knowledge. That person needs to have uh, a technical team available to develop that technology. That person needs to devote, uh, you know, all of his time or her, or her time to doing this one thing. And I mean, the idea is pretty massive, the one that he had. We had to break it down into pieces. But it's just, you know, just because it excites you so much, it doesn't mean that someone else can just, you know, take it and, and run with it. <laughs> I mean, there are greater chances that someone else is doing this already independently. Someone in China or Russia or, you know, Ohio, doesn't matter. I, I'm just saying that someone else could come up with the same idea, obviously. Like people came up with Instagram type ideas, you know, before Instagram and they actually launched those products, but they never, uh, you know, never came out to be successful because they were a little ahead of their time and the interfaces were shitty and well, they just didn't have the right connections to, uh, to get that thing moving the way they, you know, the, the way Instagram made it. But you're, if you're freaking out about that, it, don't freak out. The best idea is not even your idea. The best idea is to go and do it. Just go do your, you know, do your idea, make it work, make it happen, like bring it to life. Uh, and it doesn't matter if your idea isn't unique, by the way, this is like a different topic, but you don't really need to be unique. Like everyone tells you, uh, you know, like investors and all those gurus on Instagram and, you know, all those, you know, business people, like you have to have a unique idea. You don't have to have a unique idea and you don't have to be unique. Like we're not all unique. We're actually pretty average and, and, and similar. What you need to do is you just need to have a legit idea that you can bring to life and make it a little better than it's already implemented or, you know, a little better than your competitor will do it. I know a couple of examples, like, you know, some of my friends, they're involved with uh, an online bank that doesn't have any physical branches. It's in Europe. And their main competitor is the biggest bank in that country that has traditional branches and all that stuff. What they do is they basically, how they became successful. And I mean, it's it's that simple. Uh, of course, they needed to back up, I mean, to back their funding uh, from somewhere. So they backed it from a traditional bank, but that's it, just the funds. The infrastructure uh, and how they actually acquire users like crazy today is they wrote a simple script that monitors like every day at 6 a.m. That script goes out and monitors uh, all the interest rates and, uh, you know, all the numbers that that big bank is publishing for today. And they just make their numbers two or three percent lower. That's it. <laughs> That's how they compete with the biggest bank in that country. And it works. I'm not saying that this company, this online bank will actually ever become as big, but they might. And they are growing like crazy. I'm just saying that 
it's not a unique idea. Like, it's still a bank. They still have credit cards and debit cards and accounts and online banking system and all that stuff. They just don't have the branches, which allows them to save, uh, you know, on, on operations and day-to-day operations. But this is, I mean, their real competitive advantage is that they're two to three percent cheaper or more affordable than that big, you know, than that biggest bank, because people go and compare. And they see that, okay, this bank is more affordable. I'll probably go with it because I'm not really attached emotionally to that big bank. So, okay, this, you know, it's my, my choice. And a lot of younger people do it. So, you know, they see those numbers, those, you know, numbers make sense. Okay, we're your customers now. And this is a perfect example of you doing something that's traditional, but you're doing really a little bit better. Just two to 3% better is enough for such a business to even exist and thrive. So, don't, don't listen to, you know, to all those people who push you to be unique and like super extravagant and uh, just having a vision that nobody else has. Like all that stuff exists and it's great if you, if you do have that and it's even better if you have billions of dollars to back that. But if you're a startup and, or if you have an idea and you're freaking out about someone else having that idea... It doesn't make any sense because someone else does have that idea. You still can make it better than everyone else. So just go do, I mean, if, if, if that would be the case, then we would see no new restaurants. We would see no new theaters. We would have, we would see no new movies. You know, we would have one actor, you know, one singer and, and basically, you know, one painter. <laughs> so don't freak out about that stuff. Uh, not about the uniqueness. Just make sure that you concentrate on value. Make sure you concentrate on um, how you make your business or your product a little bit better, okay? And then you'll find your unique ways anyway. <clears throat> uh, but the best idea is go do it. It's like my favorite quote from uh, Theodore uh, Roosevelt is, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. The worst thing you can do is do nothing. And it's so true for so many uh, entrepreneurs, like wannapreneurs or, you know, whatever they're called, people who are not taking action despite having really good ideas. And on one hand, it's your, uh, you know, it's your advantage that there are so many people who are not taking, taking that first step. On the other hand, it's really sad because so many great ideas are buried, you know, buried down in the ground because people are not, you know, they just never take that, that, that step and, uh, doing nothing is really the worst choice and, uh, doing nothing because you think that someone else has this idea because that you think that there is a similar product in the market because you think the competition is too strong because you think the market is too saturated. There are always reasons for not doing uh, that thing. There, There are always reasons for putting your idea to sleep. Trust me, there's, there, I mean, we'll always have a million reasons. If Tesla, you know, or if Elon Musk had the same vision when he started uh, Tesla, we would never have this company today. Uh, and I mean, just really any example uh, you, you pick, you will see that those people were starting something in a very saturated market and, you know, the time is never right so the best thing you can do is the right thing, obviously. But even if you're wrong, it's still the next best thing because it lets you advance. 
Anyway, uh, no choruses. What was I talking about? Maybe if there are any hardcore Sopranos fans listening, you will you will you will understand what I'm talking about. Here's a little clip for you. Take the fucking drugs. I'm not fucking around anymore. Look. The problem, Christopher, is that the bass and the drum tracks were mic'd wrong from the fucking beginning. Oh, hey, king of rock. You're out of your depth. Look, let me tell you something, dude. Thank you, but I've recorded in Denmark. Okay. You want to know what the problem is? Where are the fucking choruses? All your songs, you got no choruses. Your choruses are basically just another verse. I mean, what happened to She Loves You, huh? Now, you might have remembered that this was a clip from The Sopranos, the series uh, about the New Jersey mob, uh, Tony Soprano and his family, and it was amazing. It's an epic movie series. And this particular part is basically very, very educating. No choruses. And that's what I use now, to, you know, pretty regularly with my co-founders, with, uh, you know, with my co-workers. Whenever we uh, think about new product development or whenever we think about new feature, it, I mean, we need to always look for the best thing we can do, obviously. But also, it needs to have a chorus. Because if there are no choruses in your song, if there, you know, if there are no catchy things in, in your product, if there are no killer features that will make people come back to you all the time then you're shooting in the dark you're shooting you're like you're wasting time it's you know it's not going to work you need to have choruses in your product and you always need to look for them and you need to have people who are capable of writing those choruses right using the same analogy uh this is really important i mean choruses for instagram Basically, you know, there are so many choruses on Instagram, but when they, when you have just one chorus, like Snap did, for example, I mean, this is my favorite example, really, because this annexation that happened uh, in modern history, it's pretty massive and it's really brutal. When Snap came up with the idea of stories, uh, of stories that disappear, and once they proved that that stuff works, Instagram just basically stole the idea because it's, you know, it's not patentable, obviously. So you can just take it and run with it. And I think they had some lawsuits or something, but it's, it's, it's a really long play. Uh, and they just basically copied the successful chorus and created their own song, right? And now we use Instagram stories. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people use Facebook stories, but it doesn't seem so. But on Instagram, stories are killing it. Like, I think it's like 80% of Instagram users use stories now. They regularly post and view stories. And that's a success. And they just basically took that chorus and they made that chorus their own. This is the kind of chorus I'm talking about here. And if your product, if your startup, you know, solves a problem, if your startup builds that door that people need for their house, but... You, I mean, people had no idea what the store was for before you introduced it to the market, for example, then you would have a hard time, uh, you know, explaining what that is for and you will spend a fortune, you know, educating people and stuff like that. You will need to have a chorus in order for people to get, you know, get stuck with you in order for them to develop that addiction. And that's what 
is meant by those choruses. All right, number four, the inspiration is for amateurs. Naturally, flowing from the from the previous topic into this one, the full uh, name of this particular topic is the inspir uh, the full title is the inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. I think it's a quote uh, by someone. I don't know. I'm really bad at remembering who said what, but let me let me let me say it again. The inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. What is meant here? Uh, what what is what I mean by this basically is that uh, a lot of people use inspirational content to kind of get themselves on fire to get inspired. And uh, right now I'm talking about you know entrepreneurship type of content. And again, if you're a startup, an you know early stage, or if you're a person with an idea right now listening to this you might be that person who has this idea or you're starting your startup and you're already in development and you're constantly you constantly require more inspiration and you constantly require you know seeing someone else do great things and that's what keeps you going but the reality is while that is important you can't really survive off of that you need to find your own inspiration in your own process. And to do that, you just need to learn how to show up and get to work because there's always a lot of work that needs to be done and you have to become your own inspiration. Basically, that's, you know, that's the meaning of this phrase. You have to become your own inspiration by uh, doing the, this regular routine work on a daily basis because that's you know that's the only path and it's the only way for you to get there i mean you can watch a million videos of how you know successful people run uh you know ride lambos and live in big houses and i don't know travel the world after they have completed something significant and get inspired and imagine yourself being on that boat with them or being in that lambo with them or you know just uh, your paths cross at a party and you talk about exciting stuff together and, you know, Elon Musk tells you about his secret plants colonizing Mars and, you know, just blowing up the, the planet Earth and looking at that explosion from there. But the fact is, tomorrow you will need to wake up and if you're spending a lot of your time getting inspired, two things are happening. And this is true. Like, thing number one is that you are not doing the work, obviously, because you chose to spend it on something that is considered important for you. I mean, you're not playing video games, right? You're getting inspired. You're keeping your inspiration levels, you know, inspiration juices flowing. Yeah, but the second thing is really is really uh, is really true and 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 bad. Studies show that the more motivation you require, or the more motivational content you watch or hear or listen to or read, the less motivated you become to do the actual work. Because uh, once you start consuming a lot of motivational content, you start imagining the outcome that is so far away that your actual motivation to go and do the basic stuff that needs to be done today in order to achieve something that you will only achieve in 10 years that motivation is so low that you just completely skip that thinking that you will do it tomorrow or you know in a couple of hours right now it's a lot 
more enjoyable to just, you know, watch another Grant Cardone video or, you know, Ty Lapa's or uh, Mark Cuban and think, yeah, I get what they're saying. Like, I must be as, you know, as smart as those guys in a way. And, uh, you know, we're on the same page. I'm in sync with all those guys. Damn. I mean, my coworkers, you know, other employees and my, you know, high school friends, they're still, you know, eating shit somewhere. And I'm here uh, getting motivated by the best of the best. And I'm going to crush it. I'm going to do it. You guys just wait for me. I'll be there with you on the millionaires or billionaires row. Well, the fact is you're actually behind all your high school friends and all your employees and coworkers right now because you are not only not doing your stuff, you're actually distancing yourself even further away from the real action by telling your brain to chill. Everything's fine. Like you're giving your brain those pictures, those pretty pictures of your latched future and your brain is not sending any signals back to your body and to your uh you know to your to your nerves like the br that brain is not motivated to do anything because imagining you you know there in the boat with Elon Musk in 10 years or 5 years or 12 months i don't know uh is far more enjoyable than actually going back to your desk opening up the laptop and start uh writing your vision you know visionary uh notes or writing down your requirements or coding your application or uh you know texting or emailing uh, those venture capitalists so be careful with that stuff the inspiration is for amateurs the rest of us just show up and get to work and final number five that's a really simple one it's called don't be a dick leave feedback <laughs> that's the full title of it uh this one is uh you know why why i wrote it down here is because <clears throat> i often get calls from my bank just to you know to pitch me on some new products or uh you know whenever there is like a fraudulent suspicious activity or stuff like that because i travel a lot and they always you know call you or block your card regardless of the travel notice that you left for for them well i mean i appreciate that really I'm, it's not annoying because, you know, I'd rather have my bank watch my back and double check rather than just be reluctant and say, oh, this guy said, you know, he would, uh, he'd be in uh, Cambodia. And uh, the next day, you know, I'm, uh, I'm somewhere else. So basically, they called me and I spoke to this nice person. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but uh, I remembered it while we were speaking. And she answered all my questions. She helped me really uh, fast and she unblocked my card and she gave me, you know, a couple more tips and stuff. And I was, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And it usually is, I, I use Bank of America and those guys are usually pretty incredible. And of course, at the end of the conversation, she asked me if I would be willing to, you know, provide feedback once uh, we're done. And I said, sure. And I always do. That's the point. I always do because I think it's really important. Uh, you know, the thing is, I know that a lot of my friends, for example, they don't treat it this way. They don't think this way. They think that bank is a service provider. You don't own them shit. And, uh, you know, whatever they give you, whatever services they render, you know, you pay for that. That's it. But I always think about those people who actually work in those call centers and those managers, just regular bank uh, employees who need to build their careers, who need to you know, climb that ladder and who need to, 
you know, get those marks, right? And they need some feedback from real customers to not just cheer them up, but also to help them in their career building. Um, so I always leave feedback. And uh, that email came, I gave her 10 stars or 10 whatever. And uh, I think she's, you know, she's happy. And I hope that it helped her. Anyway, uh, I just encourage everyone to do the same because actual people who help us on a daily basis, uh, who work for service providers that we use so reluctantly, those people, you know, make a living out of this and every bit of feedback helps them. That's all I had for today. Uh, and if you like what you hear, don't be an ass and do three things, one after another. First, click like. Second, click share and add your comment if you wish. Something like, hey, this is awesome. And third, click subscribe and don't, you know, don't forget to turn on those notifications. Oh, and one last thing I need you to do. Have a great life. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>